that Felicity sent. It's Felicity Artemis is a performance poet, socio-political theorist, future mythologist, and revolutionary ritualist. As performance artist and storyteller, Felicity Artemis is a rebel rouser and a shit stirrer, and heretic of the highest order. Her words sharpen the edge of radical truth-telling to pierce through the layers of cultural indoctrination of these times. Felicity's artistic mission is to disrupt the dystopian narrative that has colonized the collective imagination by evoking the empathic genius that exists within us all to enable us to redirect the narrative toward visions of the future that are based on a universal ethos of empathy and spiritual reverence for all life on Earth. Felicity Artemis is a daughter of survivors of the Nazi Holocaust, which informs her unique perspective on the human condition and the existential realities we're currently facing. For over 40 years, Felicity has been a writer, educator, and self-stylized socio-political theorist in the area of ecofeminism and earth-based spirituality, teaching about the connection between racism, sexism, and destruction of the natural world. Her current teaching is future myth-making and how connections between mythology, epigenetics, neurobiology, and time travel science fiction understood together can be key in the co-creation of a new mythology, a new, psych new psychological blueprint for the future. 
So thank you so much for joining us today to tell us a little bit about your mission and your show that's coming up and a little bit about your past and so we can get to know you and uh, so we can all get even more excited on the backstory of how the show came into being and why you feel so called to, to offer up this, this aspect of your performance for the rest of us to enjoy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for the opportunity to, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, like you read in my bio, um, well, having been born to um, survivors of the Jewish survivors of the Nazi Holocaust, I just am predisposed to want to figure out why um, human beings can be, you know, cruel to each other and where authoritarianism comes from and, you know, all the, uh, you know, the questions of like, where does human suffering and the tendency to want to destroy, you know, the creation, life on earth, you know, where does it come from? And um, so I guess I learned some of those lessons about where it might come from from actually from psychedelics, um, from taking LSD in nature naked <laughs> and figuring out that I, you know, which helped this helped me to undo my own trauma story by figuring out that I'm just part of everything and part of the natural world and that um, the purpose of life is to exist and just to be itself. And so um, I fell in love with nature and I fell in love with the natural world and it was like, okay, I have to help figure this out um, because I want life on earth to go on. I want to mitigate the suffering of humans and non-human life forms. Um, I want to be in cahoots with community where that's the collective mission. And so one of the reasons why I'm offering the end of dystopia as a performance piece right now is to connect with like-minded, like-hearted um, people in the community um, on some profound levels and see what we, you know, I, I know that all of us are doing this work in a different way, but just, you know, to, you know, introduce myself and to, you know, make the connections to maybe be in cahoots together hopefully <laughs> um consciously aware you know with intention so cool uh do you have a poem that mm -hmm. you would want to share with the audience that has never heard you read poetry before oh you mean like right now yeah just as a yeah as a little taster or a little just introduction to your writing um sure okay um should i uh I'll just bring the biggest wallop. I might as well, okay. right? Yeah, bring okay. it. It's, yeah. it's the central piece of, of the performance, um, which is on September 9th, by the way, at the Haven, uh, here at the Haven. Uh, 8 p.m.? At 8 p.m. Uh -huh. So it's coming up. And uh, yeah, it's a one-hour performance. Okay. Is it a one-person performance? Yes, although I'll have some um, friends like Ari Astari and um, Tom and uh, helping helping me to open musically. So we'll have some just some rhythmic music going in the beginning. Nice. So mm -hmm. sweet. Otherwise, it's just me. But I'm told that uh, watching me perform spoken word is like watching a video. I make everything very visual and three dimensional. Cool. So, um, have you performed for over an hour? before is this a oh, yeah. commonplace thing okay yeah many times yeah. Do you, for, you, for it, years it was was the primary bulk of your uh 
career as a performer based here in Portland? Um, meh. Yeah, no, California mostly. Okay. Um, some I did have a like a two year run in Portland. I performed at uh, Lincoln Hall at um, Portland State University, um, and did a, a show at the time. Well, it was basically the same kind of thing, but kind of a different approach. So, but anyway, this is a whole new, uh, a new version. I've performed this, what I'm going to do on September 9th, I've performed this um, compilation uh, twice in California uh, this summer. So, yeah. Did you, so, was it also called The End of Dystopia? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and what was the feedback? Uh, wow, I have to tell you, the feedback was amazing. Um, should I tell you a couple examples yeah. of feedback that yeah. I got? Yeah, what did people have to say about the end of dystopia? Okay, um, well, the show is somewhat interactive, and I encourage you know, the audience to, you know, emote, you know, and and stuff. And uh, there was one, um, one of the shows, there was one um, man who's sitting in the back, who's like a German man, maybe in his late uh 40s or 50s or something and he did not respond visually to me at all like he was just like this total stoic like blank um, you know uh, still person and so I was like well, I wonder what's going on with him I wonder if he's feeling judgmental or anything because I say some really really strong things I mean that usually shake a lot of stuff up um, at the end he came up to me and he said so I just want you to know that I agree with every single thing that you said and I think it's amazing because you and I are completely different personalities you know I'm a German person you're a you know a child of you know Holocaust survivors were from different parts of the world different cultures and I agree with you 100% I think that's important for you and all of us to know that your work is crossing over you know cultural divides so radical yeah that was incredible did he, did he bring to light any specific things or was he just giving you an overall that's all phrase? he yeah. was he was in and out yeah cool. really quick um yeah my stuff is, it has a lot of uh religious heresy and definitely um political content socio-political content so you know it's not for everybody <laughs> so you know i i mean to be honest i have always had and i have now fear of presenting my work in public in a more public way than just like my little you know small circle of, of community of, of where I know that the audience pretty much agrees with me before I start like that's usually how I you know how I arrange things because oh my background I'm afraid to be targeted I'm afraid to be um, you know harmed so this is a uh, you know uh, a risk taking that I'm doing right now even Putting myself, broadcasting myself, you know, in this, in this way too, is uh, it's big for me. But I also feel like push come to shove, the shit has hit the fan. It's the 30 seconds to midnight. Like, you know, it just feels like if ever there was a time to take that risk to put, you know, what I see as not the truth because I don't believe in absolute truth, but some important truths, um, you know, out there. Um, this is, you know, this is the time where maybe if all of us did that which is what my call to action is if all of us find our way to um, signal boost you know what it is that we have to say maybe we can change the trajectory um, that you know has been set in motion by 
um, religious mythology of old and a lot of the entertainment of now, um, especially the dystopian um, storytelling told through movies. And um, yeah. yeah. Um, you, you use the word heresy and you use the word heretic. Mm-hmm. And uh, these are words that typically people would um, play down in yeah. their own association of their identity. And I'm wondering what, like, uh, is empowering about the word heretic, or what it what by owning that label, mm-hmm. what do you receive, or do you, is there is there a level of permission to kind of break rules by just saying, well, you can't call me this because I already own this, or what does the word heretic mean to you? Hmm, that's an interesting question. It's an interesting word to come across in somebody's biography, a self... A self uh... Religious heretic. Yeah. Um, well, in my bones, um, my perception of reality is that um, most of... Or I'll just, I'll just say it in a grandiose way. All of the unnecessary suffering um, of human beings um, throughout history and of non-human li- uh, life forms as well um, has its roots in uh, patriarchal religion, um, primarily Christianity. Not only, but Christianity is the, you know, Judeo-Christianity um, is the the psychological framework that dominates Western culture, and Western culture dominates the world. So right now at this point in our history. So um, so I've always made it my mission to go for the jugular um, when it comes to um, patriarchal religion and the indoctrination. Um, it's not just, you know, subtle indoctrination. I mean, Christianity has been forced on people through, you know, brutal colonization and, you know, extreme torture and violence. Um, you know, the, the witch burnings or the Inquisition being one example, um, but also forced on enslaved African people who are brought over here as part of how they, um, um, you know, stole their uh, connection to nature, to their own indigeneity, and of course forced upon the Native Americans and other Native, you know, tribes around the world through missionary stuff. Um, it's part of colonization. And so it's it's part of, um, you know, psychological, you know, I don't want to say part of because that minimizes it, but it's central to psychological indoctrination, you know, that has caused the human condition that we're looking at right now. And so it's sort of like a righteous heresy, like kind of an opposition to these destructive forces. Is that what I'm hearing? It's a mission to dismantle those religions. And and, in, and the way that that happens is to make sense, to explain it articulately and intelligently and coherently, uh, which helps people leave the religion one by one. I mean, there's no, I don't believe in book burnings or, or censoring or canceling or punishing anybody for their beliefs ever. Like that would be me being them, you know. Um, but to be able to make sense such that people go, um, and it happens every day. I mean, every time a person leaves the church, a fairy gets its wings. Um, you know, it's, it's something that happens all the time, you know. 
um, way before I ever was born, you know, and people leave the church. So what causes that to happen is something else makes more sense to them. So I think signal boosting making sense to, um, to uh, leave what is anti-life uh, and anti-human nature and anti-nature, uh, which is our nature as human beings, is nature. Um, you know, and then offer up the most delicious version of earth-based kinds of spirituality that is, you know, basically old, as old as anything. It's indigenous connection to life itself and um, rather than um, building a culture around escaping the natural world and going elsewhere. Is your offering through your performance for the show. Is it mostly poetry? Is it also monologue? Is it any improv? Mm -hmm. What's the uh, what's the framework and what's uh, the content? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a uh, it's uh, spoken word poetry um, strung together. There are, you know, mostly three minute uh, poems that I've, you know, performed at different poetry slams and different places um, that are strung together in a sequence. Um, to, uh, you know, pack a powerful punch in the direction. It's very um, educational while being entertained. And it, uh, I would say that my work, uh, the feedback that I get from people is that my work helps connect the dots. So even if, let's just say, everyone there is already um, basically on the same page, it helps connect the dots between issues and um, integrate, become uh, a more powerful, um, clear focus versus just, you know, a bunch of different pieces of the puzzle just sort of floating around. It brings it, you know, into like an arrow of, of, um, of, a, of a possible action a vision of action to bring about the end of the dystopian era. Yeah. Did you have any questions? I think I'm, I'm curious about this poem you're going to share with us. Yeah. Um, but yes, that's also, yeah, I'm looking forward to your show on the 9th. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's really, it's really beautiful and I think very helpful to be using art as the bridge to that uh, clarity of action steps. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I know for me, sometimes it gets very overwhelming when you, you really want to do something positive in the world and feel like you, you're having some effective contribution to mm -hmm. things getting better and uh, and then when something really bad happens that affects our community or, or the world at large it's like well is it all in, in vain mm -hmm. and uh, how to keep um, that momentum and and not you know ignoring the bad stuff but still staying positive and staying focused yeah. and, and so I think uh, it's very beautiful this like everything you've described um, encouraging people to just go into nature, recognize through somatic experience mm -hmm. how we are, or remembering rather, mm -hmm. uh, that we're part of it all, we're, we are part of the one, 
and then to bring that back and say, well, what what is my individual way mm-hmm. to help? Yeah, and and to keep focusing on that because it's it's definitely going to take a team. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, fully. Yeah, those are my thoughts. Just yeah. hearing what you've had to share so far. Yeah, thank you for saying that. Exactly, mm-hmm. and I mean, if I were to say like, you know, what's the the main crux of the the performance piece? It's uh, you know, to recognize that the dystopian narrative has been commandeered. I mean, the, uh, the 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 narrative about the future has been commandeered by psychopaths, and that's where these dystopian stories come from. Um, psychopaths are not, um, to me, evil. Um, even though sh- though they show up as villains, um, but um, they are in charge um, right now. So um, that uh, how to how to derail the dystopian narrative through telling other stories about the future that are not dystopian. We have to replace those stories, and you know where are they going to? Where is that replacement going to come from? So it comes from to me each one of our experiences of undoing our own colonization and indoctrination and that undoing and that story of undoing is the story of humanity undoing it in a microcosm story you know so um, I you know I teach a workshop also that's a follow-up to this performance called you are mythic and how to view our own personal stories as archetypal stories stories about archetypal energy that mutates that changes the dysfunctional patterns of our family and our culture and then takes it out um, to again to signal boost it in some way in the world that ability that we all have to change the story it's like we look at things like the bees Mm-hmm. And they go out and they take all of these resources and they build hives out of them. Mm-hmm. And we see birds and they take these various things and they, they create these, you know, abstract manufactured like structures. And we see the beavers do the same thing. So we see all in, in, um, in nature, all these examples of animals retooling natural resources for their own benefit Mm -hmm. so humans also do that we've built houses for you know age immemorial structures um, uh, to help us survive and so now we have almost we live almost in a complete abstraction of the natural world all around us in cities Mm -hmm. but like where do you think the line is between like a healthy use of nature and like when does it become unnatural, I guess is the question. Mm-hmm. Because I hear this all the time, like, oh, well, the, the, the way that Earth designs us to be natural mm-hmm. versus the way that we take things and use them for our own purposes is unnatural. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I've had a philosophical conversation, ongoing conversation with a friend who just says, it's all natural. It's all in the design that we were given at the age where our ancestors, 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 ancestors put this whole thing into motion. So where is so the... So we might as well eat plastic. Well, so that, <laughs> but that, but that, that's, the, that's where it's like that subjective truth of like what is healthy for the individual. But then at a point, it seems like what is healthy for each individual becomes unhealthy for the collective or becomes unhealthy for the species as a whole or for the earth as a whole. Mm-hmm. So I guess um, my question to you is like, yeah, where, where do you think is that... Is that, is there a line or, or is there um, a point where we go like, okay, that's too much. That's too much manipulation. Oh, it's not about manipulation. It's about causing harm 
to the earth, air, water, and to the, the, um, the atmosphere, the biosphere, and causing unnecessary suffering for other life forms. That's the line. It's not complicated. Okay. You know, and doesn't exploit human labor, you know, and cause suffering for people who are just trying to fucking put a rice kernel in their mouth, you know? Yeah. It's about, yeah, do all of it. It doesn't matter. If that's the ethos, then go crazy. Create, create, move this, do that, you know? Yeah. But that needs to be the, I think, the ethical standard or the, the ethos of human endeavor is the do no harm aspect yeah do yes not i mean every you do you do harm if you pick the vegetable right i mean there's all these like levels or saying working in harmony with the perpetual with nature and the perpetuation of life you know that's it consulting nature asking her opinion yeah. <laughs> how how is this going to play out right you know you know, looking, having, um, capitalism is not conducive to long-term effects. I agree. You know, yeah. so that's the idea. It's like how, uh, I guess the Native Americans call it seven generations. Like that's the challenge, that's the, uh, the, the, the challenge to each endeavor. How is this going to affect, you know, the next seven generations, cool. you know, after us? Yeah. I think we have a lot to cover and, um, so a follow-up conversation, I think, would be really beneficial for okay. us to go a little okay. deeper into all okay. of this stuff. Did that did that response uh, resonate with Definitely. you? Definitely, yeah. I thought so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's uh, and, and I think it's just it's it's challenge the the benefit of a singular hierarchical authority, uh, whether it's a king or a queen, whatever it is, is that there is a decree by which, you know, they say that God or whatever was the one that like decreed this royal lineage and so that they are the decision makers because they're the arbiter between the, all of the humans because not everybody gets to decide and God so it makes things really easy and streamlined. Unfortunately, I think that when you leave things up to the individuals, you get a whole host of different views on what is what is correct or what is the right path or what is right action or what's the right way to do business. But when you say in harmony, for the perpetuity of life on earth then i think we can we can approach things through that lens is this is this in harmony with the perpetuity and there can be like little conversations and there can be disagreements within that but at least then we're coming to the same game table to talk about the, the rules of this thing that we're trying to do and if we can all agree to come to the table mm -hmm. to play this game together as an allegory or as yeah. a you know as a metaphor or whatever then then we can yeah. we can How be on the same page yeah but yeah. until we even come to the decision that that's what we ought to the be standard. doing. The mm -hmm. standard. The standard, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How will this affect the next seven generations? Yeah. Not just of humans, but of all life forms. Yeah. And bestowing yeah. that value on the next generation, too, so that they pick up the mantle and then consider yeah. that eighth generation and the yeah. ninth generation. Yeah. Then it becomes just part of the epigenetic imprint of our culture. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's empathy, you know, and that empathy is what's missing from uh, from the uh, dystopian, you know, from the, the the stories that are told, which create the the dystopian. Do you think that the old, the older our ancestors had a more empathic system in in place? 
that and we've lost that way or do you think that we never as a species we never really had that as a foundation of any of our civilizations oh i think it'd be pretty easy to prove that not just empathy but telepathy was the way that we were that we communicated with all things with you know with all elemental energies and all you know so empathy and telepathy which to me um my thesis which will come out in the show is that those two things are connected that empathy leads to telepathy and then telepathy is communication with with all with all that is do you pray um i cast spells okay mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah mm-hmm. cool more of like a wiccan sort of uh, style. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. 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 Why do you ask? Well, because prayer is common vernacular uh-huh. for hoping, wishing, communicating with a greater source than yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, and when we take a look at the Christian framework, we go, oh, okay, well, the two are like, you know, they're synonymous with each other. Like you pray to God, you pray to Jesus, all of these things. So I think a lot of people that that turn away from Christianity would say, no, I don't pray. What's the point in praying to a man in the sky? There is no man in the sky. Yeah. Um, but then prayer, I don't think that it should be monopolized by Christianity. Right. Because, you know, like First Nations people, indigenous people, I, I've talked to yeah. many of them that say that they, they do pray. Yeah. That they commune. It's basically communing. Communing. Yeah, That's communing. what I was going to say. Yeah. When prayer is used that way, yeah. um, or, and the word is used that way, then sure, of course I do. Right. It's, it's, it's you know, communing, praising, um, uh, being, you know, in awe of, and um, listening to uh, the world, you know. Yeah. The biosphere. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so. And it seems like a lot of your poetry is spells. Yeah, all of it. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there a difference between writing a poem so you can just cast a spell personally for your own well-being and for, you know, whatever situation that you're considering at the time uh-huh. versus a public, uh, uh, like a external sharing of casting a spell? Oh, While um, others are witnessing, or even like you were saying, you encourage interaction and participation in, in your performances as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, primarily, I, I do occasionally write a poem for myself, but um, it's, it's all for performance, everything. Um, I learned a new word um, while I was in Mendocino this summer. Um, you might, I'm sure it's probably not a new word for you, but the word is transformance instead of calling something a performance, that it's a transformance. And so I'd like to think that that's what my presentation is, is a transformance that, uh, you know, transforms the perceptions of reality towards uh, the end of, towards bringing the end of dystopia and making that really imaginable. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a new word for me. Yeah, let's use it, man. I've uh, heard prayer formants. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Prayer formants mm-hmm. is becoming a more and more a buzzword among my peers, but transformance. I like transformance quite a bit. It also includes the word trance in it. Yeah. So I like that. That's what I heard first. Uh-huh. Transformance. Like, yeah, getting like people into a trance. Into a trance. 
The dualism schism damages the brain. It's the quintessent essence of the insane mind frame, mind fuck, mind game that forms the chain of schism and propagates itself through its religion of good and evil, which dehumanizes other people. I say belief in good and evil dehumanizes other people. So I choose to treat good and evil obsolete shall not repeat from my palate. But what about hate and those who perpetrate atrocity? They are symptoms of our collective insanity and only empathy in action will set us free. This is a strategy, a sacred mutiny of the old identity. I invoke the wisdom of the ages, the rebels and the sages, the spirits of the future and the past to help us with the task of transformation of the obsolete paradigm. The obsolete paradigm is the plan of planned obsolescence invented by man that turned a suicidal tendency into an economic strategy. It is the necrotechnocracy, the virtual reality, all manner of industry guaranteed to lead to obsolescence. The obsolete paradigm happened over time. Someone said being born is the very first crime. This religion brought the vision of a God who was good versus nature, i.e. woman who would lead us to temptation of the flesh and to mate. Thus the dualistic, sadistic, religious mandate of the spirit body split. And ever since humankind has been suffering from it, and the genocide of indigenous people prevails as the murderous torture of the crucifix nail emblazons the psyche with separation and the resulting desecration of all creation. The obsolete paradigm is the mental illness of our time. We suffer from a military industrial complex. This hour is ours to figure out what's next. Now we know that those who orchestrate an energetic flow of all the world toward obsolescence is in essence a collective acquiescence. We have the power to resist if we understand this. It's time, my friends, to regenesis. The fabric of time is running thin, so I am called to call us to begin to reclaim the true meaning of the word sin. Etymologically, to sin is to be, to be in love with the scent of the tree, to revel in the mud, to slurp the sweet fig. So if we're going to sin, y'all, you know, we better sin big. Wow. <laughs> I speak in the voice of the blood, not in metaphor, but more in the voice of the blood of the ancients, in the central vein. The blood of the life force and the crimson stain of the slain is the voice in my brain. The red thread that flows through the generations has lost its patience. Facing the threat of annihilation, it gives instruction. I take dictation. Here is a rough translation. The hatred of black and brown skin is akin and connected to the hatred of the earth. It is the hatred of the mother that gives us birth. It is systemic rapism, the supremacist tradition rooted in all religions that vilify the other like they vilify the mother, with a God constructed to be separate and above her, who impregnates her but doesn't love her who treats her as commodity, stuffed with cotton and forgotten, soaked in dioxin. It's the shock doctrine. The blood of the mother is in shock. 
We're all in shock. The trauma of the generations is the block that keeps us from connecting the dots, that keeps us from seeing that we are experiments in domestic genocide, each sacred being that has died in the crime that has yet to be identified. It is acclimate citizens, acclimate and acquiesce. This cannot be the sum of our humanness. The blood of life calls me to my purpose, to crack beneath the surface and eviscerate the big lie, the big lie used to justify hate. I am called by the blood to accelerate because it's getting late. It's imperative to redirect the narrative so we can guide our own fate because the belief in a supreme being is the doctrine of supremacy. The hierarchy of the chosen has evolution frozen in a faulty notion, in a nightmare legacy where we are to dream that a supreme being is hovering above the world judgmentally. So the holy rollers can roll us and control us religiously. This lie was forced on us by the owners to subjugate and domesticate, to indoctrinate and separate us from ourselves. And you say it gives you strength? Yeah, it strengthens your complacency. Trust in God and he will deliver thee to the hanging tree. Apparently, is it just me? It just can't be because I speak in the voice of the blood and the blood wants everyone to see that this religion is the big lie, the biggest lie ever told, the one that emboldens cold-blooded killers with impunity. It kills all human empathy, makes everything a commodity until we can see no other possibility. So listen carefully. When we release the lie, we fly out of its grip, cut through the fabric and let it rip. And rippling through us is our indigenous connection to the black and the brown and the earth. Touching this is indigenous medicine that was taken now awaken in us to strengthen our immunity and deepen our community at the core. The central vein is not a metaphor. So am I the anti-Christ? No, I am anti how we are hypnotized, organized to participate in our own demise. So it has become my official mission to say that Jesus was not a Christian and by all accounts would have hated that shit. If you feel into it, you might admit it and stop gazing up at the sky. Stop the tendency to glorify torture and pain because no matter how you explain it away, the crucifix is affixed in our brains and the torture remains a mainstay. And it's not heat, but we who pay. So let's sever this tie and this tendency to deny that racism is kept alive by the big lie. Like if we all just try, we can have a piece of the pie. We all know this is a shit pie. So let shit fly and illusions shatter because the spirit is matter. Indigenous knowing is that the spirit is matter. And this is where it all comes together in the central vein where black lives live at the center with indigenous people everywhere, with the rainforest, the Arctic, the water, the air, all are there at the intersection. The power is in the central vein where the blood coalesces to become a force, the rising tide to change the course of this nightmare reality. The blood calls us to intersectionality. We don't have the luxury of eventuality. Coalescing the movements is the revolution, the wisdom and power of conscious evolution in the collective voice of the blood, in the central vein, in indigenous name, we change the whole game. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
how can people learn more about you and how uh, can you remind people about how they can participate in showing up and yeah. listening to you perform live for yeah. your performance? Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, Friday, September 9th, um, and it's at The Haven on 819th Southeast Taylor Street in Portland uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, 8 p.m. door, 8.30 curtain. Um, it's a sliding scale from 10 to $20, and cash only, please, because uh, I'm low-tech, that's why. Um, and, uh, yeah, and uh, it's going to be great. Yeah. I, I love everybody to come and tell their friends and, you know, let them know that it might be um, a little bit shocking or confrontational, and, uh, you know, if they're up for it, they should come. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, we'll see you there. Uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Sam. Website or anything? Or? Oh, um, well, let's see. Um, yes, sort of. It's uh, you know, being low tech. It's it's just a, a free Weebly website. Sure. It's, it's it's called. If you look up regenesiscenter.weebly.com. Okay. Uh, it's there. It's all there. Yeah. Beautiful. Okay. All right. More than and I remember I'm not fucking about getting more vicious than ever. Are we fine as long as I got my head up? Breathe. I ain't prayed in a minute. Before you judge me, hold that thought and let me finish. For a long time, I thought that praying was just asking for things like the road to riches and diamond rings. But now I know that I just gotta be thankful. Blessings every day, shit, I got my hands full. Lessons every day, I'm learning from all angles. Mum, stop stressing over shit that I'm a handle. Don't no, you know? You see me got you, I ain't even got to say it. The album's here, I hope you love it, hope you play it. I know you knew this day will come, I know you prayed it. Can't wait to look at you and tell you that I made it. See, it's amazing. Good things come to the people that wait, and I waited. Tell me, do you believe the quote above I stated? Nobody handed me a dream, I had to chase it. I had to be business-minded and put aside my feelings. I had to find my own truth, my own meanings. Wrote this in the same page and that started in. Had to dream big, had to look beyond my ceiling. Do you feel it? Feel it. Hand on my heart, if only you could feel the way it's beating. I mean it, I mean it. This is the type of music that ain't ever gonna sell. Well, should've never ever told me that. Should've never ever told me that. What if I prove you wrong? Tell me now, could you live with that? No, you wouldn't wanna live with that. I ain't saying this will go to number one. No, I ain't saying that. I know you know that I ain't saying that. I just wanna do this all for my people. Fuck the rest. Get me on this every time. Nothing more, nothing less. And it goes like no time for these old lives. I'm on to something bigger with thanks to the most high. But I'm more relentless and less defensive. It's in my mechanism. Don't give a fuck about both sides. Never scared of giving them something that's too real. They don't have to play this, I know that you will, and you will. Huh. No, you can't ignore it. No. Many of us want to slap, but just ain't caught up for it. Yeah, yeah. So don't you ever, don't you ever forget who told you this song. Don't you ever, don't you ever. See, this is for your kids, yeah. Don't you ever, don't you ever overlook this here. Message. This is our faith, this is our voice, this is our names, this is our new, no we want change This is our sun, this is our rain, this is our win, this is our fail, this is our hands, how can we help? This is our heaven, this is our hell, this is our story, this is our tell, our tell
Deep-seated illusion, or is it the antidote to an unwarranted state of oblivious confusion? Does it float in the depths of our own soul's desires, or does it sit proudly? Brightest ember of sacred fire. Maybe the gurus and sages know where to find it in the practice of alignment of all the body cells and atoms as they activate enlightenment. That which connects us through all time, space, and dimension, or is it found where we've completely deviated our attention? Are mathematicians endlessly working on the proof of its equation? Because then and only then can they experience true elation. Or maybe it can only be found when we're looking for something else, or when the comic cosmic hypnotist. Chooses to snap us out of these funny spells. Does it live in catharsis of excess psychic accumulation? Must we continue to endure the winter of this great question? I trust you, curiosity, to lead me in the right direction. Mm. 
to someday be like a flower in spring, knowing why it opens to its fullest expression.